Good evening, everybody. Can y'all hear me? I'm filling in for Jonathan again tonight, and I'll explain how that came about in a moment. But uh, before we get into that, let's start tonight with our prayer list. Ricky Ross. Miss Sue Mason's brother, you said, had shoulder surgery. Did you say Terry? Terry Green? That's Ricky Green's brother, Terry Green's, been diagnosed with bladder cancer and has surgery coming up the 21st of this month. Keep Terry in your prayers. Yes, sir, Brother Jim. Betty Vincent, Sister Janita's cousin, you said? Ralph. Roy Green. Okay, Virginia Newton. Oh, I'm sorry, Regina Newton. Connie Edge. What's going on with Joyce? Okay. And you know, I talked to her at Walmart a few nights ago. So. Benny Burcham passed away. We need to remember that family. Continue to remember my dad, Dan Gardner. He goes, he's got lots of uh, health issues going on, mainly the heart, and he has a, he's an amputee, and he's got a sore on his leg, and he goes back to the doctor in Memphis tomorrow, and there's a possibility of them having to take off more of that, so keep him in your prayers. What was the name, Miss Katie, Katie. Katie Joe. Lindley. Katie Joe Lindley, I'm sorry. That is great news. Will Tennyson, y'all are all familiar with young Will's situation. He, he's been through it. and uh, So that's good news. He's got a good report. Who's that? Okay. 
Martha in our prayers. Anyone else? Yes. Austin Wentz. Uh, yeah, Amelia, you talked to Cassie today, didn't you? What's the update with... Okay, so they're improving. I think Cassie was a little more sick than Aaron. All right, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight and we're just so thankful that you give us this opportunity in the middle of every week to come together as Christians to open your word and study it and learn and fellowship together. And God, we just pray that everything we do will be pleasing to you. And God, tonight there's a lot of names that have been listed that, that need your help. We pray that you will be with them, be with their families Help us help them in any way that we can. And God, we just pray that you will continue to be with us and, and help us do our part to do the things that we're supposed to do to bring your word to the world. God, we love you. We ask you to please forgive us where we failed you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, there will be several, well... Five or six different texts we look at tonight. It's going to be a little while before we get into it. Uh, it's funny, last night, Jonathan and I actually had an opportunity to have a conversation. We haven't got to do that in a while. We had a home basketball game. Tristan was playing. Uh, he sat down with me. We talked a while. And I was peppering him with questions, you know, about this current strain of COVID that we're obviously all dealing with. And I was asking him, you know, what are the best practices that we need to implement there at the school level? Keep everybody safe, you know, because we have a unique setup at Satilla for a school our size. I don't know if y'all are familiar with our building. It was built in 1994, and it was built to house about 350 kids. But today we got a 1,150 under that same roof. Now, they have added two wings, but it's all under one roof, and we've got over 1,100 people in one spot. We were dealing with a major overcrowding problem long before COVID, and now we're trying to social distance. So anyway, I'm talking to Jonathan, and I, I'm telling you this because I feel tremendous gratitude, and we're going to talk about that tonight, to have a parent in our school that I can go to and I can say, look, here's what we're dealing with. This is your area of expertise. You're familiar with the setup we have. What are some things we can do to make our kids safer? But you guys know with this, we've learned enough, kids aren't what you have to worry about. I'm worried about the teachers we have that are at high risk. So anyway, <clears throat> he gave me some good practical advice. I was real thankful for it, 
And he said, but you got to remember, things change from day to day. And that's a true statement. Because last night, when I left the ball game, Jonathan was teaching tonight. When I woke up at 5.30 and checked my phone, here's the message from Jonathan. Don't, I didn't look to see what time he'd sent it, but sometime before 5.30. Sorry, bud, our conversation cursed me. I've got to cover my Birmingham pharmacy the rest of the week. Pharmacist has COVID. Can you cover class? So here I am. Sorry that I'm your substitute, but uh, here we are. Uh, tonight, there are several modern moral issues, a lot of directions I could go in um, that would fit Jonathan's definition that he gave us at the beginning of class. You know, we've talked about abortion, fornication, several other topics. And, you know, I think if we went one by one around the auditorium tonight, each person individually come up with their own list and it would be a good list and there would be issues that are current there are issues that are in in the world today that specifically work against the will of our God in heaven we're about to get into what I want to talk about uh, because it's it's been weighing on me but before we get into it tonight I want to I want you to do me a favor I'm going to really need your help tonight. I am not one of our people like Stephen Hodgen and Brother Jim Estes back there that can show up the day of and go 40 minutes and it's great. I have to prepare. And uh, we're in the process of hiring a football coach. So we're doing a lot of interviews. The community doesn't care when you hire an English teacher. But when you're hiring a football coach, you know, that takes up a lot of your time. So. Uh, been, been, dealing, been dealing with that all day, so I've had very little time to prepare, so bear with me and help me out tonight as uh, we go through this. Uh, the issue, and I'm sure y'all were the same way, but it's been heavy on my heart the last couple of years especially. Have y'all noticed that the world is a whole lot different from the world you knew as a child? We're going to identify some issues, and that's the easy part. But what I hope we do is look at some ways to solve those issues and shine as bright as we can for the Lord. Uh, but what I want to talk about, and we can list a dozen issues off of this one, but I think this is an issue that has kind of swept the Western civilization the last 50 years. It started in Western Europe, slowly made, it what, made its way over here, I looked up some t statistics, and we kind of have a full-blown calamity. The modern moral issue we're going to talk about most of tonight tonight is the issue of lack of faith. Now, I want to show of hands if you think we have fewer people attending church now than we did 50 years ago. If you think, all right, most of us do, so we, we agree on that. That would be a lack of faith, right? Spreading out. All right, let's look at ourselves individually. Does anyone already have all the faith they need? You wouldn't be here tonight if you did. Every time we come, we're coming to increase faith. I looked at this study, uh, and it was a study on mid-sized congregations across this nation, and it was quite revealing. Now, one thing about this study, it wasn't exclusively 
done on Church of Christ congregation, so I don't feel our drop has been this significant. But the study tracked attendance at over 15,000 congregations. It began in 1995, and the average number of worshipers over these 15,000 congregations was 150. When they came back 20 years later to those same congregations, that number had dropped to 65. That's over half. When we look outside these doors, we can see the fruits of this lack of faith, can't we? It's all around us. When you and I were children, it seems like everyone at least had the basic understanding of right and wrong. People still did wrong, but they at least didn't try to call wrong right. Uh, an example, and then we're going to get into the text that we're going to read. But one thing that jumps out, and I still miss the classroom, but good news is COVID's spiking. I'll be back in it soon with teachers getting sick. Uh, I remember teaching government in the fall of 2013 at Belmont. And that was a group of seniors. They were intelligent seniors, well-rounded seniors. We spent most of our time doing mock trials, debates, class discussions. One day, the students asked, they wanted to know my opinion if I ever thought the possibility of gay marriage would become legal in the United States. And I guess my answer to them that day shows just how naive I am about things, but I thought it was reasonable. It was well thought out. It was so good, I even wrote it down. Here's what I told them. I said, I don't think it will happen in my lifetime, and I really don't think it will happen in yours, and there's three reasons why, Miss Marilyn. I said, now I study the Supreme Court, and Amelia will tell you I do. I love the history of the Supreme Court. And by its very nature, it preserves the status quo. Most of the justices, and I was talking in 2013, I said they're steeped in American history and human history. Uh, I said, in no human government up until the year 2011 in the history of mankind had ever considered such a thing. So that's, that's my first reason. Second reason, sim simply biology. Humans understand that the goal of marriage throughout history is to form a family. Well, you guys are seniors. You understand for a family to produce children, well, there has to be a male and a female. And then the third reason I don't think it will happen is the religious aspect of the court. All nine justices claim to be Christians. So you take those three facts and said, we're a long way from that. On June 26, 2015, Oberfell versus Hodges became the law of the land in which that was the case. So my little beautiful speech there to them lasted about 16 months. So, when that can happen in a society, obviously your society has begun to lose faith in God. Because I'm assuming all nine of those judges 
that claim to be Christians have access to a Bible, which means they have access to Romans chapter 1 and other places, so they know what they're doing is wrong. So what happens, this is where you talk, what happens when a society begins to lose faith in God? And that's just one example. There's plenty of others. That's where it was going to, didn't hear of it. Miss Marilyn, all of us kind of have what is called an internal compass, right? Something's going to guide us. Because Ken said something in his sermon a few weeks ago that I thought was, I'd never thought of it. All this body is is a vehicle. It's carrying our soul around. Something is guiding our thoughts and actions. So if it's not God his word and his will, what is it? What was that? The world. World and everything of the world. <clears throat> but let's, let's dive into the word. Don't take my word for it. Every one of us must strengthen our faith. We all need more faith. That's the only way we're able to fight against the world and positively influence what's outside. Someone read for me Luke. Chapter 17, verses 5 and 6. Luke, chapter 17, verses 5 and 6. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you have faith, if you had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be unrooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Thank you, Johnny. I don't know about you, but I know I still do it, and I did it a lot in the past. I love to beat myself up for lack of faith, for doubting. I would feel really bad on the inside for having doubt. Any of you ever doubt? Okay, Good. The disciples did. Those guys that watched Jesus raise people from the dead, that watched him walk on water, that watched him make the blind see, the lame walk, they struggled with lack of faith. If they struggled with it, is it okay for us to do it from time to time? Yes, I think that's where we say, yeah, I think so. If they admit that they need help, that they need more faith, I know all of you are prayerful people, do you pray for more faith? If you don't add it to, you, to your prayer. There's a reason why we should pray daily to increase our faith. The, the writer of Hebrews tells us exactly why. Someone take uh, Hebrews chapter 11. We're only going to read verses 1 through 6. Y'all know that entire chapter will tell you all you want to know about faith. But let's read Hebrews chapter 11. 1 through 6. Go forth the conviction of things not seen. For by the people of all receive their uh, commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. 
by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up, so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Jeremy, will you read verse 6 again? And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Everyone's wired different. Uh, my mom always called me a people pleaser, and I remember being this way when I played sports. All I ever wanted was the coach's approval. Uh, when I was in school, all I ever wanted was the teacher's approval. Uh, some of us are just that way. I see kids in school that are definitely that way. If you're a Christian, you should obviously want God's approval. The Bible tells us right here how we get it. In Verse 1, I mean, yeah. Verse 1, then in verse 6, we see how to win God's approval. It's through faith in Him. And as Jeremy read for emphasis there, 6 again, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We can have all the knowledge in the world. We can have the Bible completely memorized. We can spit it out. If we do not believe and have that faith, None of that matters. <clears throat> Y'all know as, as well as I do, when you're out in the world, it's full of smoke and mirrors. There's disinformation. There's misinformation. And like verse, say, verse 1 says, if you truly understand reality, if you want to, you've got to gain wisdom. If you want to gain wisdom and knowledge on this planet, you can only gain those things through faith in God. And what you'll find if you continue that way in faith and obedience to God's will is you will continue to grow in wisdom and knowledge. Uh, how do we do that? How, what are some ways we as Christians continue to grow in faith? All right, study. Obviously, and by study, you mean study God's Word. Study it with others other Christians. Let me ask it a different way. What are some ways we can hurt our faith? Brother Stephen touched on this a little bit in his lesson a couple of weeks ago. What was that? Okay, yeah. Not doing what we're supposed to do. We've got to put good in. Something is going into our brains all the time. And as a younger adult, I was constantly trying to take everything in. Uh, and I talk about him often in my lessons, and I miss him greatly, Kerry Moody. He was a football coach at Belmont. He's a deacon at Liberty when I was a basketball coach. So we shared the same athletes. He taught biology. I taught history. We were across the hall. 
<clears throat> we would study the Bible together in the mornings. We talked about it often. And one day I was venting to him about something that had happened at a ball game that someone had said. And he wouldn't remember saying this, but he told me, he said, Guy, you can only let so much in. And I just stopped talking. And that, I think about that line every single day, the way it has impacted me. What does that mean? Well, it means this. When we spend our day worrying about situations that we have zero control of, we are really telling God, I ain't got any faith in you. Because if we can't control it, who should we trust to control it? Well, if we spend all our time worrying about things we can't control, are we trusting God? And so since that time, I've eliminated so many things that I will take in, things I will watch, things I will listen to, things I will read. I only want to take in things that will help. and Because we're in control of that. Um, we, uh, well, someone read, uh, turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. It, it talks about that. Someone take Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 4. Because something should happen to us when we become a Christian. We should not take in the things of the world. We, we, we should think differently. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Think you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When we're buried in baptism, we're telling God, my life is no longer my own. I belong to you. Uh, Jonathan talks about his job. Stephen talks about his job. That's what, if you were up here, that's, I mean, when you spend 60 hours of your day at a place, that's what you do. 80% of what I do during my school day is discipline of students. And 80% of that discipline that I deal with involves a cell phone and social media. So four out of every five situations is going to involve Snapchat, Instagram, something kids are doing on their phones. It would That's bad enough, but walk through the mall sometimes. I watch kids and adults alike, and they spend the majority of their time awake now staring into a tiny screen. I've joked about when I retire, and Coach Swinney's retired. You might want to help me out on this. Got a lot of pull in this county. I want to start a charter school in our area where no screens or devices are allowed. And y'all listen to this idea. It's crazy. Kids are going to open books and read from pages in books. You think that would go over, Johnny? We're, you know, Kids get technology. We don't need to teach them that. Let's teach them things they don't know. Teachers are going to use things called chalkboards and write on them and do math that way. But anyway, that's a soapbox. My, my point is, when we spend all our time staring at a little box, you can control what you put in, but you've got to remind yourself there's a world wide web at your fingertips. 
And on that World Wide Web is a whole lot of opportunity to sin. There are literally a multitude of sinful possibilities at your fingertips. So anyway, we as Christians need to direct our thoughts to God's will in our lives. Um, How would you answer this question? I was asked it by a student I'm studying the Bible with. It was right before Christmas break. Everyone's tired. He didn't want to talk about the Bible. And uh, he tells me, he said, you know, I, I don't think God wants me to be happy. Y'all ever had anybody tell you that? Why does God not want me to be happy? JT, you study the Bible more with anybody. Ever, ever hit you with a line like that? How'd you answer it? the young man, I said, uh, where have you been searching for your happiness? And I got the dumbest look you've ever seen. He said, what's that supposed to mean? I said, well, because there's only one place you can find happiness. And that is when we consistently are behaving inside of God's will. And that goes along, I think, with what you're saying. We've got to be able to, and I'm not saying it's easy, it takes practice and it starts over every morning when we wake up. We have to make a decision. We've got to remove our selfish desires. We've got to get them out of the way before we get out of bed. And we've got to let God know I'm going to follow your will today. Uh, look at uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Yeah, oh yeah. Right, and that's we're going to talk about gratitude in a second. You better believe it, and I think I think that nails it. And, I, and I've talked about that in the past, but you want a, a modern moral issue? There's nothing bigger than selfishness. You got to get self out of the way, and uh, and that is the cause of most unhappiness. Uh, Yeah. Um, I mean, really, as far as I think, you have to figure out what the definition of happiness is. Right. Because I see a lot of young people, and that's where they want to just not happy. Uh-huh. Well, what is happy? And so I think that goes with your social media. Also, yes. for us parents, we have to look at that and go, you know, things aren't what they can do. And that's tough because they have an 800 
$200 phone, they have $230 shoes, and they have a $300 jacket in there. So it's not things. Well, but it's also filters on Snapchat that make me look 35 years younger than I am, or a 12-year-old look like a 21-year-old, and so you have to look at their, you know, what's your definition right. of happiness? Yeah, you've got to get through that before you can have a real discussion. That's right. And, and so we wear ourselves down with all these things, but Hebrews 12 Verses 1 and 2 tells us exactly what we have to do. Some, someone read that for us. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, before the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Thank you, Brother Jim. You know the reason I think we are asked to study the Bible every day and over and over, from just keep doing it, is, now I've read Hebrews 12 a few times by now, but, but today, when I had a few moments to look at this, Verse 1 is the first time I ever noticed every weight and sin. I've always just thought of sin in that verse. We're entangled by sin, and of course we are. But we also have to lay aside every weight. Every weight. So what I was talking about earlier, we have to lay aside that weight. That means that we not only let go of sin, but we have to let go of the things that are beyond our control. We, we are pretty good, or we get to the point, now every one of us has our temptations and we deal with them every single day and we sin. But we get to the point where we can overcome that. But we all struggle with worry. And worry is nothing more than a lack of faith. We, we have to lay that aside if it's beyond our control and trust God. Because verse 2 tells us why. If we will continue, Jesus is the source and the perfecter of our faith. If we will put our trust in him every single morning and our faith in him, it will continue in, to increase and we will continue to grow. That doesn't mean we're not going to have setbacks. That doesn't mean we're not going to have tough days. But we will have the faith to get through them when they come. Real quick, and we spent, like I said, a majority of that time on faith. There's another modern moral issue I want us to talk about, and that is a lack of gratitude. I got to thinking about this on the drive home. That's when I really had a time to think about this lesson. And I started thinking about the people who have influenced me in my life and where I would be without those people what I would give to talk with my grandmama or granddaddy one more time or, or tell my Uncle Sam who died this summer all the things he did for me, what I would love to tell him. But I want you to think about this for a minute. I want you to think about the person who you feel is most responsible for you being a Christian today. And if that person is still on this earth, 
call them tonight and thank them. If they're here, hug them. I don't know if we can hug them right now. Social distance. Thank them. Because that person's a big deal. And if you're that person to someone, thank you. Because that's how it's worked all, all since the time of Jesus. The 12 disciples to us. Someone's told someone about him. And they believe. And it's kept going. Gratitude matters. The world has forgotten this. Real quick, let's read Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19. Gratitude's always been a problem. Someone here to read that. Chapter 17, 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered the village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. So Jesus, obviously in this scenario, heals ten people of a serious disease. And nine didn't even think enough to come think enough of it to come back and say thank you. Uh, we think, well, how could they do that? Well, Jesus has done the exact same thing for us. All of us had a serious disease called sin. And without the blood of Jesus, we'd burn in hell. It's the same thing. If we're not thanking God daily for the gift of salvation, then we're ungrateful. Uh, we need to make sure we're the one and not the nine. And I hope we take those, that attitude out into the world and people see that, how grateful we are to belong to a loving and forgiving God that thought enough of us to send his son to die on the cross. Um, if y'all about with me, I'll close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you sent us your son Jesus to do what he did on the cross for us. God, we pray that our faith will increase, that we will trust you, and that we will be obedient in your sight. We ask you to please forgive us where we failed you. And God, we pray that we will show others the way to come to know the truth. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
get started tonight. Isn't it good to see everybody in the auditorium tonight? Get to all get together for just a few minutes afterwards and uh, visit maybe a little bit more than we would have the opportunity. Otherwise, we're glad that you're here tonight. Uh, we appreciate all of you. I realize that we have a lot of folks out tonight. Several are sick. Some have COVID, some other uh, flus and viruses and so forth. And so maybe look around and see those who are not here. Maybe call them and encourage them and uh, find out if they need anything at all. Of course, uh, I don't want to have an update or two regarding the sick. Uh, Craig Glenn continues in ICU at Magnolia Hospital, and uh, his address is in the foyer if you'd like to send him a card. Also, we've been asked to pray for Ricky Ross. This is Sue Mason's brother. Uh, he had very serious shoulder surgery today. Also, uh, Terry Green, uh, the brother of Ricky Green, has been diagnosed with bladder cancer, and so They'll know more about that uh, next Wednesday, I think, and we want to remember him in our prayers. As far as other uh, things we want you to take note of, the food pantry item for this week is vegetable oil. Also, uh, the golden circle, we want to remind those uh, in that uh, we'll have our luncheon this coming Tuesday. I hope that you'll plan to be a part of that if possible. We'd certainly love to see you. Maybe you haven't participated in that in the past. Uh, don't worry about that. We want you to come be a part of it. We'd love to see you there. Also, I want to remind everyone that this coming uh, Sunday night, we will all assemble here in the auditorium before we go to class. I'm excited about kids seeing. Many of you may not know what that is, but you're going to know after Sunday night. So I want you to be here at 5 o'clock Sunday night, ready to go. Kids up front here, if you don't mind, sit, and uh, we'll... Start that and begin that before we are uh, dismissed to go to our classes. I think you're going to find it very enjoyable and encouraging and helpful, not only to kids, but to adults as well. For our devotional tonight, uh, Chris Langley is going to be leading our singing, and uh, Jim Estes will be leading our prayer. Good evening. Uh... We'll be using the books tonight for singing from memory. Uh, the, if you'll mark your songbook to number 939, that is uh, Oh Why Night Tonight. We haven't gotten to sing that song in a long time because of all of our services been during, during the daytime. This mic's a little hot. Just down a little bit. I'm getting some feedback. There we go. Okay. And then uh, once you have that mark, turn over to number 738. Number 738, take the name of Jesus with you. We'll be singing both the first and second verses on both of these songs tonight. Mm -hmm. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy not forgive you. Take it and pray your precious name.
that it's 2022. Uh, that's just difficult for me to fathom, but it is. Usually at the time of a new year, we think about fresh starts. We think about new beginnings. We make New Year's resolutions. Maybe they are of a physical nature. Perhaps they're of a spiritual nature. But I want to briefly just mention some simple resolutions that I want to encourage everyone here to resolve to make for your life. Spiritual resolution number one is to pray about it. You know, seek God's face. Maybe try to pray the prayer that David prayed every morning for the next year and see what happens. David said in Psalms chapter 51 and verse 10, create within me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and Take not your Holy Spirit from me. We need to pray. We need to realize that there's power in prayer. Spiritual resolution number two, I want to suggest that you give your time and your attitude to the Lord. Let's resolve that we're going to give our attitudes to the Lord. Commit yourself to make a difference in the workplace. Make a difference in your home. Young people resolve that you're going to make a difference at school or maybe in your sporting events. Maybe you could make this particular passage your resolution in this regard. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14 says, Above all, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which you were called in one body. And be ye thankful. Make a difference. Resolve that you're going to give your attitude and your time to the Lord every day. I want to challenge you with one thought tonight. I want you to resolve that you're going to encourage some person every single day. It might be the person you sit by at school. Maybe they're at the lunch table sitting by themselves. Maybe the person that you work with, maybe it's somebody who is sick. Maybe they are at home with COVID. Maybe you can just send a card or take a few brief moments and text somebody, letting them know that you love them and you're thinking about them. I want to challenge you. Encourage somebody every single day. And you'll better be a better person as a result of it. Quickly, number three, I want you to resolve that you're not going to do it alone. A very well-known preacher from the 1600s made the following statement. He said, seek God and his wonderful plan for your life. The two of you will make a great team, united in your determination to fulfill your destiny. A strong will, settled in purpose, an invincible determination can accomplish almost anything. You see, you and God make a great team. So often we think that we have to 
forge our own path alone. We live as though, you know, life is completely up to us. And yet, if we're in Christ Jesus, we're not here just ourselves. We're a part of a team. God loves us and God cares for us and he wants to help you on your journey. Remember the words of 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, which says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now, folks, we know that life is not always easy. Following through on simple commitments can be difficult when we're bombarded by the daily affairs of life, much less when we are bombarded and challenged and assaulted by the evil one. And because of this, we need to always consider Paul and what he said in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. He said, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. We're going to offer an invitation song tonight. And maybe there's one here tonight who is struggling. Maybe your faith has not been as strong as it should be. Maybe you've given into temptation Maybe you want to start fresh and anew and you want to make that known publicly tonight by coming and acknowledging wrongs, repenting of them, asking God to forgive you in prayer. I can't think of a better way to begin the new year if you're not a Christian than by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. To come tonight in simple trusting faith in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing his name and being baptized into Christ based upon that wonderful confession. You can know the forgiveness of your sins. You can know the joy of being right with God. Tonight, the invitation is yours. If you need to respond, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing. Father, we're so thankful that we've been able to assemble tonight to study your word. We pray that these 
songs of praise have come up as a sweet memorial to you. We love you, Father, and we ask for your guidance. We ask that you would increase our faith. We pray, Father, that as we focus this year on the power of one, that what we do will be in partnership with you and consistent with your will. We pray for our country. We pray that you would allow us to continue to be a country. We pray that you would bless our leaders with better wisdom, wisdom that is based upon your word. Father, we're so thankful that we can approach your throne on behalf of those who are in need of your help. And we pray that you would be with Ricky Ross, and Dan Gardner, Craig Glenn, Katie Jo Lindley, Joan Mormon, with uh, Rick Warner's cousin, Tori Blackburn, and her baby, uh, with all of those who are suffering from COVID, uh, with Terry Green, with Betty Vincent. We're thankful for the improvement in Will Tennyson. We pray that you would be with Austin Wentz. We know, Father, that you're the God of all comfort. We pray that you would comfort the family of Benny Burcham and with those 13 who died in the fire in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Father, we know that all things are possible through you. We put our confidence in you. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.